The reading today is from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, in any com common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of self selfish ambition or vain conceit. <laughs> Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeliness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Good evening. For those who don't know me, I'm Caleb, and I'm going to be speaking on this passage tonight. Today's culture gives us many messages. And one of the central ones, which I think each of us may have come across, is that we should focus on yourself. Your interests and your desires are to be prioritized above anyone else's. After all, it's your time, it's your job, it's your money, and you should really be doing what you like with them. Dozens of self-help books every year give us really the same message which is that to live a fulfilling life and to be the best person you can be, you should be focusing on the number one person, you. Now, you may know that the Bible isn't a self-help book. And what might surprise us as Christians, considering we're surrounded and immersed so deeply in this culture, is that this emphasis on personal elevation simply cannot be found in the Christian message. Rather, we are met with an idea which is far rarer and more profound. Instead of lifting yourself up over other people, we are called to lift other people up. We are to adopt the same mindset as Christ Jesus, being humble and working in sacrificial service for others. Thankfully, we have the example of Jesus. Now, let's think, the central narrative of self, the perfect creator, um, became a man, is human. This is such an incredible, humbling transformation. Now, we might expect, okay, suppose he did become a man. Surely he'd become a conquering Caesar. That's what the Romans and certainly some of the Jews of Jesus' time may have thought. Yet instead, Jesus humbled himself further. In the first century world, social standing and reputation was everything. Who your parents were, where, the city where you lived in, what property you owned, and perhaps most importantly, who you associated with, determined everything in society. So we can ask the question, what was Jesus' social position? Who did he most consistently minister to? I think the first obvious social group um, who were perhaps shunned by society 
was women. In Jesus' cultural setting, simply publicly speaking to female strangers may warrant social condemnation. And yet, the longest conversation with a single individual recorded in the Gospels is John's account of Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman at the well. We also see that Jesus didn't look down upon children who occupied the lowest possible position in the family hierarchy of the time. And moreover, a great proportion of Jesus' known interactions were with the sick, the crippled, people with debilitating skin diseases which exiled them from any sort of social and communal living. Even among Jesus' social peers, we see even in private, he is washing his disciples' feet. And so Jesus gives us an, an example of the perfect creator of the universe acting in humility and in sacrificial service. A slightly more down-to-earth example might be the Queen of England. Just last summer, um, she was strolling around uh, Balmoral Castle in Scotland, and two American tourists came up to her. Now, unfortunately fitting the stereotype, they didn't actually realize that it was the Queen of England. And so um, they approached her and asked whether the Queen lived nearby and whether she'd ever met the Queen before. At which point the Queen um, chose to be humble and rather having a big gotcha moment, um, she simply pointed in the direction of her bodyguard, a police officer nearby, and said, oh, I think that gentleman actually meets with the queen every day. So this it might be an isolated case, but I think it's a good example of adopting a mindset of humility. And when we look at verse 2, one thing I found quite interesting was that um, Paul says that Christians, united together in humility, make his joy complete. So unlike what culture may say, there seems to be a relationship between humility on the one hand and joy on the other. This means that Jesus' vision of communities doesn't have to lead us to neglecting our own well-being or becoming miserable and overwhelmed. Rather, serving others can actually lead us to become happier people and more joyful. This truth has actually been rediscovered recently by psychological researchers who find that in helping other people, um, there's consistency, consistently higher levels of um, fulfillment and satisfaction. Love is diffusive, which is a fancy term, simply means that it spreads out and multiplies. And so we are called, overall, to live, to have a starting point of humility, adopting the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And later on, Izzy is going to tell us about how this might play a role in a community such as Christchurch. Reading is taken from John 13, chapter 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Almighty 
Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Izzy, and I want you to just have a quick think about how you would describe the people of the church. And shout out a few words to me. Go on. Be brave. Kind. Kind. Nice. Generous. Generous. Oh, one more. Friendship. Friendship. Oh, love that. Yeah, I said loving and friendly. And I think we can all agree that church should be a place where everyone feels welcome, where they feel loved and included and a part of the huge family of Christ. A few years ago, when I was in Pathfinders, the group younger than Download, all the leaders would constantly go on and on at us about cherishing. Cherishing is not just about loving people, but how we love people. It's about showing people our love for them in often radical, sacrificial actions. Just like Caleb has been talking about Jesus' sacrificial love for us. As Maisie read in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Does Jesus say here, love your mates? Does Jesus say here to just love the people you know or kind of get along with? No, he says to love one another, which means everyone. Yes, it means your friends and the people you care about, but it also means the stranger you walk past on the street. It even means the person who really hurt you. In Matthew 5:44, Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I'm sure at times that can feel near impossible, but wouldn't a great place to start be to love the people we don't really know? The strangers? And not even the strangers, like the person you see around all the time but have never really talked to. In a place like church, we see the same people week after week. But how many of them have you had a real conversation with? The person who maybe after the service stands around on their own or makes themselves busy putting away the chairs or even stands around reading the same notice board over and over, so they don't really look like they're on their own, but really all they want is someone to come over and care. We've all felt like we don't fit in, some of us more than others, but we've all felt it. I certainly have. I used to really struggle here at church, and sometimes still do, but especially when I was in Pathfinders, I didn't know where I belonged. There are a few different friend groups, and I didn't fit into any of them. All I needed was for someone to come over and care that I was there, or be as excited to see me as they were to see their friends. I just wanted to be seen. And I'm aware that that was maybe just kids being kids, but I see that here. I sense that here. It's so easy to focus on our own comforts, that we often forget about other people. Church should be a place where a stranger can walk through those doors, feel so welcome and cherished those doors every week for the rest of their life, while also having someone who's been here for 50 and belong. Cherish of the church community.
each other, we will lose people. It's a I have three to help more. I gave a pretty similar talk back in November to the Pathfinders and Downloaders, and they've pretty much remembered these S's to date. So, I have very high expectations of you all. <laughs> all right, so number one is semicircles. For this, I'm going to have some of my downloaders come up, or anyone come up. Come. I probably need more than four. Come on. Oh, Hal, Ella, Fab. All right, these guys are going to stand in a circle for me. Not a circle. Get in there. All right, there we go. We're there. All right, so circles are one of my biggest pet peeves. Now, hate is maybe a strong word, but I hate when people stand around with their friends in a circle. It feels so closed off. To all of us on the outside, all we can see is everyone's backs. And you guys in the circle, what can you see? Anyone? What can you see? Faces. Faces, nice. Can you see the faces outside of the circle very well? No. Ah, no. oh, that's a shame. All right. <laughs> All right, when gathering with friends, it feels almost instinctual to stand in a circle, because then you can see everyone inside the circle, like you're surrounded by your own little safe community. But once you're in the circle, like these guys said, you can't really see out, and no one else can really see in. So, how much better would it be if we opened up that circle into a semicircle? And now they're all stood there as if they're welcoming someone in. And if someone comes and joins, you can just open it up some more. <laughs> Foolproof system. All right, thank you guys. <laughs> all right, now, number two is shoes. <laughs> so my second tip is to try and put yourself into other people's shoes, which I know practically might not work, but in a more imaginary sense. So imagine a time when you went to a new place where you didn't know anyone, or a time you felt excluded and on the outside of the circle. It's the basic principle of treating others how you would like to be treated. Like it says in the passage Caleb talked on earlier, Philippians 2, verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's about having the outsider's perspective on a situation, using your past experiences, good or bad, to show other people the love you were shown, or maybe even wish you were shown. Now, number three, Sacrifice. Sacrifice is vital to make people feel cherished. Going back to John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In the run-up to this passage, Jesus lowers himself before the disciples to wash their feet. And back then, they were out in some pretty manky streets in no more than a sandal, so I can't really imagine that would have been particularly pleasant. But not only did Jesus lower himself to the standard of a servant, not long after this, 
he sacrificed his life. Jesus gave his life for us. Where today are we seeing that kind of sacrifice? Is it not the least we can do to see the person on the outside of the circle, although hopefully that will now be a semicircle, and bringing them in? It's about taking action. It's about leaving the comfort of the people you know to help the one you don't. Like the parable of the lost sheep, it's about leaving the, well, maybe 99, maybe a few less, established friends to find the one lost person on the outside. There was this one time where there were these two friends who seemed quite maybe on the outside of the circle. We had already been told by a leader to make sure they weren't left alone, as we had to be in groups of at least three. I was in a group of about seven, so in my head, I figured, me and a friend go with them, we've both got a friend, and we're in a big enough group. Win-win. So I went up to my friends, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go over the, with these guys. Does anyone wanna come with me? And they all kind of just stared at me a bit blankly, and not one of them said a word. So I ended up wandering around with those two friends and watched them as they bought a gift for every single leader on the week away. That's a lot of gifts. And to this day, I am still in awe of their generosity. So, go out and show one another the sacrificial love we would want to be shown, even if there's no guarantee of reward. But by the grace of God, maybe we'll be shown love too. All right, we're about to go and take a tea and coffee break. It is not the end of the service. Please don't leave. We've still got Felix coming to talk to us in a minute. But we're going to have about 10 minutes. There's tea, there's coffee. There is even cake. Oh, I know, I know. Definitely not worth leaving. Hold up, whoa, whoa. Don't get up yet. Okay, and in a minute, we're going to have some questions up on the board. So, my challenge to you guys is to find someone new to talk to, someone that you've never talked to, or maybe just said like hi and kind of like smiled at as you walk past them. Find someone new, start off a conversation with these questions, and go from there. Now quickly, before we go, quick reminder, my memory goes, I need a reminder of the three S's of cherishing. Can everyone shout out to me the first one? Oh, that was very impressive. All right, number two. Shoes. And number three. Nice. See you guys in 10 minutes. The reading today is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. 
so too a Levite passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Imogen. Uh, I'm Felix, and I'll be doing the third and final of these little mini-sermons. The tale of the Good Samaritan is a parable told so often that we sometimes forget just what an incredible suggestion it really is. A Samaritan would have been despised by the Jews. They were outcasts and hated enemies, and not exactly who you'd expect to be the hero of Jesus' story. It would have been shocking for people at the time to realize that by their neighbor, they meant, and Jesus meant, everyone. But they're forced to put aside their preconceptions and realize that love your neighbor does indeed mean everyone. It can be easy for us even now to help those who we want to impress, to be kind to those who we look up to and we want a favor from in return. But that's not what Jesus was calling us to do. On the road to Jericho, there were no witnesses. There were no people for the Samaritan to impress. And he certainly wouldn't have been hoping for a favor from a Jew. And he didn't just help the man who'd been robbed. This is one of the things that I think sometimes gets forgotten, is that he doesn't just help him when no one else did. He goes the extra mile and spares no expense. He gave two denarii to the innkeeper. That's two days' wages, not an insignificant amount of money to spend on someone you've only just met. He says to the innkeeper that any expenses he will pay for. He doesn't just do the bare minimum. It can be very easy for us to answer I don't know when someone asks us a question, instead of sparing expenses of thought and effort to actually give them what they want. It can be very easy to do the bare minimum and call it job done, to leave the job to someone else as soon as they show up. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to do here. Not just helping those who we don't know, not just helping those who we may not even like, but sparing no expense in helping them to the extreme. And these aren't just messages that would apply to a Samaritan and to a Jew back in Jesus' day over 2,000 years ago. It seems that every day there's a new situation in which these messages can be applied and should be applied to our lives. Regardless of anyone's political views, I think we can agree that shipping refugees off to Rwanda is hardly going the extra mile to make them feel welcomed. Rather, it seems to be handing the job to someone else. 
and I'm sure already coming to mind would be a myriad of examples where we could have helped others and gone the extra mile. So what are they? What are these examples? How can we be Samaritans on a Sunday and throughout the rest of the week? To start, we'd have to look at the example of the Good Samaritan himself. Spare no expense when being kind to others. Make everyone feel welcome and be indiscriminate with your generosity. As Jesus says, go and do likewise. Use him and use the Good Samaritan as an example of your everyday lives.